You're gonna move up. You're gonna move up fast. Welcome to Tales from the East End, episode 45. We have a packed schedule this week. We're going to talk about St. Pat's and Limerick, a two wins, and then we have Waterford this coming Friday. Uh, we've also got Alex, a bus driver, Gary Armstrong, and Brian Kennedy. So, some fantastic interviews lined up for you. It's uh, me, Gary P, as usual, and of course, the prof. How's it going? So, we beat Pat's 1 0 at home on Friday. And before we get into that, we have to roll out a little ad from Peachtree East. You know who we are? We're associates of your business partner, Flagman Ireland. You do remember Flagman Ireland, don't you? Let me take a wild guess. You're Rovers fans, aren't you? Yeah. I thought so. You remember your business partner, Penny Hill Carrio, don't you, Brett? Yeah, I remember. Looks like me and the prof caught you guys at breakfast. Sorry about that. What you having? Uh, hamburgers. Hamburgers! The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. What kind of hamburgers? Cheeseburgers? No, 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 no. Where'd you get them? McDonald's, Burger King, Supermax. Where? Peach Trees. Peach Trees! That's that superfood spot beside Tala Library. I heard they got some tasty burgers. I had the beef cheek, not the burgers. How are they? Uh, They're good. You mind if I try one of yours? This, this is yours, right? Mmm, mmm. This is a tasty burger. Prof, you ever had a peach tree East burger? Want a bite? Real tasty. Ain't hungry. Well, if you like burgers, give them a try sometime. Peach trees also have function rooms available for all your party needs with a free Prosecco reception for over 40 people. Book now in advance on 01-413-9965. That's 01-413-9965. So we beat Pats 1-0 at home on Friday with a, still a debatable goal. I, I think, after watching it back, I think it could be Boyle's goal. No, I'm going with on goal. You're going with on goal? I wasn't. Some people were behind the ball. They said definitely on goal. I was I was in the East End, obviously. But it looked like he you know, forced a direction the ball himself. So, But uh, yeah, no, a scrappy 1-0 win. But listen, we'll take those three points. And then we're going to talk about the 18-99 bar which was a huge success. Uh, Johnny Blue made his debut. Uh, the father-in-law made his debut. They both loved it. That was a sight to behold. I know, it was unbelievable. And Horda, he's constantly ringing me now, asking me how we play. He rang me after uh, Limerick. He's talking about the next few fixtures. The same with Johnny Blue. I think he's coming back for the Sligo game. Converted hoop, is he? Converted hoops, yeah. So brand new fans coming in through the gates. And the 1899, right, the one thing about it is it's such a draw 
because I mean the place was packed. There was massive queues. There was points. There was food. There was, it, I mean, there's flying out. Ray's rashers went down a tree. Tara Hill were great, and the King Kong size TV screen. So I honestly cannot wait for the next one. And this that was the biggest crowd I've ever seen in in 1899. So it, I definitely think it's 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 going down an absolute tree. Yeah, some people I talked to were saying that they they were thinking of going to town, you know, after work. But then they thought, why bother? Just come to town at six o'clock and have a point there. Exactly what a couple of the other lads said. They said they were going to go to Yabo for six o'clock, and they said, "Well, why just points in in the in Tallis Stadium with a band, and you're in there? It's Rovers only. Where else would you go?" So that's like I said, I can't wait to go back again. I'm really looking forward to it. big TVs. We're looking well. The big TVs, which we'll hopefully be getting some Rovers footage on. So we had Sean O'Connor asked, "Will ID Innovative Destruction be playing in the 1899 this season?" No, <laughs> I still have the beats on my iPod, my iPod, so there is proof. Delete them. There is proof. And Darren Glennon said that only been in the 1899 suite twice. The first time was very brief, but one thing I noticed last night that it was giving us a place to meet that's exclusively Rovers. Not since we moved to Tala, first have we had somewhere to go that everyone likes and accommodates us in big numbers. One of the worst things about Tala over the last few years has been the displacement of our support in different pubs. I've seen faces last night I haven't seen from the East End normally. In fact, I've probably seen them more often in Talca than California. The opportunity is there to make a run success of it and everyone should try and get behind it and support it. Fair play to everyone involved and that's a, that's a statement of the week for me. It's bang on the money because everybody goes to Ahern's, they go to uh, Malloy's, they go to the Abo, the odd few go to the Maldron. Now we have a place to call our own and we can all go and drink in the same spot and all the money goes back into the club. So Yeah, it was a great success. Priory Brewing on tap. Yeah, we're back for more lovely crisp pints of IPA. Hooperman had a cake. Hooperman had it, yeah, I, I, I nicked a lot of it from the, the Glen Malore and brought it in, it was delicious. Of course he did. The, we're, we're expecting a taste from the East End cake in the future, I think it was Luke Proctor who made them. He was involved in it anyway, so uh, definitely fulfil our sweet tooth fantasies. And uh, we had Bradzer talking about Madden in the media before the game, Prof, what did you think of this? Bit of a saga, wasn't it? Was it was kind of funny following what we said last week, I remember that he hadn't mentioned it publicly since he left. And then he talked openly about it pretty much the day we did our show. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, like he praised them in the article. But of course, the headline in the sun became Bradley let Simon Madden go to shore up the Rovers defence. You know, this it's happened a few times last year with the Cork thing. It became Cork are not a patch on Dundalk, even though he didn't say that. So it depends on your point of view. Is he naive to be handing them headlines? Or are the tabloids just getting more and more desperate and they can make something out of nothing we should probably get Fikra in every week to analyse Bradzer's comments in the media yeah. because he's very critical well, of, uh, of Bradzer in the media it basically comes down to the result I mean has anybody mentioned this since no because we won yeah true yeah it is it's quite fickle isn't it if we had drawn or lost this is all anyone would be talking about since but even when Madden initially spoke about Bradzer he it was light hearted because he said I played on the wing with him I did most of the running in a light hearted joke way mm. so it, there's definitely a, I don't think there's bad blood between the two of them but listen the, no, he's like, gone he's done we should bury this now shouldn't we like we should you put said him on the list week. of hatred <laughs> replace him replace Greg Ball shall we yeah that's yeah. It, it was a straight swap we're going to have the big interview with uh, Dan Fulham yeah, he's going to have spotlight. to rescind his, uh, his decision mm. to put Greg Bulger, considering Greg has been fantastic as well this season. We're definitely going to have to get him off. How awkward would it be if he's still on yeah. it when we're interviewing him? Probably Jason Maloney's on a deal. 
Yeah, Jason Maloney's on it as well. Yeah, so the team sheet. We had Eden Boyle and Trevor Clark were back in. So Greg Bulger was in midfield. And Tomer returned for the first time since early October. And uh, big decision. when that broke in the 1899, we were yeah. all in shock. There was a lot of discussion about that. There was a lot of discussion. And uh, so the first half... Uh, we went in nil all at the break. It was I'm gonna be honest, this was a bit of a non event this game. That was very scrappy. Not much went on. No. And I think it's a testament to Bradzer's development as a manager, personally, because Pats usually come and try and beat us. Whereas this time around they I think they were a bit weary of the, the team that we've developed into as an attacking force and they, they were happy with a draw and that's never the case when Pats come to town they always want to come and beat us so they were definitely weary of how how good we are up front and they like they said the lads said they parked the Lewis exactly yeah when has Buckley ever come to Tata and played that way never never that's the thing so I, I think that's definitely a, a, a big pat on the back for, for Bradza as regards to his tactics because mm. he is going out to try and win every game it's not it didn't click necessarily in that Pats game, but you can see what we're trying to do. Yeah, they really packed the midfield. There was only one team trying to win the game, and that was us. Yeah, it definitely was. Second game in a row, a right back was booked inside 10 minutes. Yeah. Eaton this time. <laughs> he, he, uh, I, we had a bit of a debate about whether he should have went for this or not. I thought it was a slight 50, maybe a 60-40, and he had a chance to kind of nip it off the defender, but he got, like you said, he got booked in their half, near near where their goalkeeper yeah, got, was. got booked on the edge of their <laughs> edge box. Of their box, yeah. I mean, come on, right back. Also, you missed this, Gary, because you were only come back from the age 99 bar, but at halftime, James doing it was getting fierce abuse. Oh, he didn't hear this. He was getting yeah. all sorts, was he? Yeah, we were chanting your shit at him Yeah, as he was warming up just in front of the East End. How did he take it? He liked it actually. Yeah. He got a good laugh out of it. So uh, yeah, now Pat's parked the bus and uh, for for most of the second half, to be honest. And then, like we talked about earlier on, with this debatable goal, I'm gonna have to watch it back again. But um, I think it was coming eventually. We we probably would have broke the deadlock. We do seem to put pressure on teams. It was but, definitely coming. Yeah, yeah, I think it was coming. Yeah. So on goal by Kevin Toner or Jim Toner, if you read my stats. Jim Toner, yeah. You're the only person to spot that, Eric. That's the first thing I spotted on the whole thing, I swear to God. I don't know why, it just popped out. That used to happen to me all the time in the early years. I'd put all this work into stats, and then the only reply would be, there's a mistake there. There's your mistake. No, yeah. stats weren't great around. There's, there, you made yeah, a mistake. thanks for that. <laughs> and also, um, if you read the, the review of the show by Jason Maloney in the programme, he called me the straight man. And uh fellow I was talking to Shane, he was saying that I really, I keep my head when all others are losing their minds around me, especially the end of season specials. So there's, <laughs> so there's me, the straight man, as the goal goes in, and I start yelling like a lunatic, I hate Pats! Yeah. <laughs> you're just standing there in the middle going, I hate them! Everyone's celebrating, yeah. you're... Ex- That's genuinely how Nick, your brother was in Bislav. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, yeah. So it was a good three points, and um, we saw it out in the end. Bit of pressure towards the end, but it wasn't. Uh, they never really looked like scoring, to be honest. Mm. So just uh, on the the on goal as well. Did you look at Bobby Best's photos? No, no, I didn't. I usually do. Maybe, maybe I missed it. What was it? It was actually really cool because he captured, you know, in, frame by in frame. succession, frame by frame, the ball rolling over the line. And Madden going into the goal. Exactly. Could you have scripted this any better? Yeah. Ethan Boyle crosses it in. And you just see a photo of Simon Madden. Like 
chasing the ball back in vain. And then the very next photo is Ethan just standing there. You couldn't script Watching it. it in. I never ever thought of it like that. So Ethan Boyle, our brand new fullback that replaced Simon Madden, the fan favourite, yeah. crosses the ball in and Simon Madden can't get to it. And the, and the photograph is Simon Madden in despair trying to clear yeah. the ball. That's brilliant. Yeah, and Kevin Toner as well. Gave, gave away a penalty the week before. So. Yeah, Conan Bourne. Um, Such a bummer we missed out on him, isn't it? Yeah, Conan Bourne said he was our man of ma- man the match on Greatest League in the world. He, he thought he was our man in the match in that game. The best player in the Pat squad, so... Still a bit out of shape in, in my eyes anyway, but um, some of the standout performances, I, in fairness, Tomer was solid and Bulger and Grace were, were excellent again. Grace is sev- seriously becoming a fan favourite and he doesn't put a foot wrong. He's excellent. He's, dare I say, he's one of the best centre halves I've ever seen play for Rovers. But it's getting to the point now where I just expect that from him. So in this game, Pigo stood out for me. Yeah. Whereas... I just expect Grace to be excellent all the time now. He's so assured and such yeah. a good footballer. It's it's and him and LEG were forming a great partnership till he got injured. So, nah, but then again, to have Pico to step in, yeah, it's it's it really is a good squad. So, because I was I was pretty eager for Gilchrist to start a centre back for the rest of the season, but fair play to Pico, he came in and proved himself. And and he has that ability, like I said, mm. just um, it's 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 a really good squad to to choose from if we are struggling with injuries. Like even if Pico got injured. You have Lukey Bourne who can step in as a very, very capable centre half. I think he's a better centre half than he is a full back. So, yeah, uh, I thought I thought Pass couldn't handle Trevor Clark at all. He has some great runs in this game. I love the little pullback he does. Yeah, it just takes them out of it completely. Anyone who's near him, he, and they they know what's coming. It's just that split mm-hmm. second that he does it. It's it's fantastic and it takes them out of the game completely. I mean, if you're counting clear good chances in this game, we didn't have many, but. Trevor Clark did whip in a few excellent crosses yeah. that we just didn't get on the end of. And he was chopped down by Conan Byrne. Conan Byrne just, just couldn't like handle him at all. And then Con Murphy, do you know, he admitted that he was the one screaming with the ref yeah, to give him a red card. Yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, uh, Conan Byrne couldn't believe he actually caught up to him to even tackle him. <laughs> so there's a bit of crack there anyway. Yeah. Uh, but down the attendance as well was 4,200. So very very healthy attendance once again so the fans are starting to come back yeah the crowd was rocking great atmosphere wasn't it really good atmosphere and that crowd includes uh, Bruno from Switzerland yeah Brando's number one fan yeah had a sign saying it was his birthday and he wanted Brando's shirt apparently this is a thing in England now where they hold up these cardboard signs I don't know did he get it in the end did he get the short office back we put out a message to him I don't know it was, yeah. uh, was Brando playing <laughs> <laughs> But uh, now Ray Wilson was there. I think it was the last game before he went back to Australia. Yeah, it was his 18th day on the piss. <laughs> 18th in a row. Oh, he popped into the uh, the media room, and he summed it up very well. I thought he said, uh, "Ugly win, but great result." Yeah, exactly, and it was well needed as well over a Pats team that have uh, yeah. have had the Indian sign over us over the past while. That's two monkeys after back now. Yeah, Derry and Pats. Or, or what, what did someone put up in the rover set that's the junkie off our back now <laughs> we've ruined their St. Patrick's Day gear yeah seems to be a bit of a, a an annual thing now us playing them again on near St. Patrick's Day I think it was Cork last season actually on it was on the Paddy's Day, Day yeah. yeah no you're right that was the yeah. Tomer f- f- uh, mix up yeah but Conor Sullivan also said that after the first six games last year we were 12 points off the top on Saturday morning we were three points off the top so considering our start I'm pleased with that so that's a bit of perspective there from Conor O'Sullivan mm-hmm. and uh, 
a, a cool head to to kind of. I don't think we should be talking about being anywhere near the top of the league at this stage. Or it's just a four series of games. Let's just get through it, get a good points tally, and and go on to the second series now as well. I really hope fans don't start talking about pushing for the league and and, yeah. and trying to just 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 take it easy and let's just gradually pick up points. You know, we don't want to be balls singing about being top of the league after the first game. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, the Pats players were very quiet on social media. Yeah, where were the Brennans? Yeah, yeah where were the, the Brennans? Yeah, the, and Duna wasn't there. He called us mad weirdos on his <laughs> Instagram because we were putting up pictures of him taking the piss out. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to do that. Hashtag snakes ill. Hashtag snakes ill. Just a shout out as well to Derek Kelly, our videographer. Remember, you I think you were very impressed by him yeah, so far. Some excellent stuff. I love I loved his style. I love the way he, uh, he edits everything and it's very smooth mm. and... Very cool. Proven to be a lucky charm so far. Haven't lost three since three post match videos he's done. Three wins. That's it. Keep up the good work. Keep up the good yeah. work. So uh we have lifelong fan, Gary Armstrong, and uh driving around Europe somewhere probably as we speak. So we we the prof got a hold of Gary Armstrong and uh, had a few words. Came here with Gary Armstrong and uh, it's very much a family affair for you, Shamrock Garwas Gary. Uh, your uncle is Ray Wilson. Your granddad was the late Jack Wilson. And uh, so this might be a rhetorical question, but how did you start following Roberts? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, through my granddad, really. Uh, obviously, it's in the family. My, my granddad was brought by his dad. He brought Ray, and then Ray moved on to Australia, and I kind of took up the mantle when I was old enough to to crawl, I suppose. I went to my first game. I was only weeks old, as far as I know. And... Yeah, I took up the mantle from there and haven't stopped since. <laughs> Do you remember what the first game was, maybe when you were a bit older? No, I don't, to be honest with you. I remember I remember constantly going to games. I remember going to, to everywhere in the country, like Cork, Sligo. I remember going up to Derry and not staying in Derry because we stayed, we just stayed in Letterkenny. I think it was because Derry was a little bit kind of in troubles at the time. There was like when I'm like, talking 25 years ago, like 20 years ago. And we used to go back and stay in Letterkenny after playing in the Brandywell. So I don't remember our specific game, but it's just being all over the country. And uh, usually if a Robert supporter put the name on the back of his jersey, it's a current player. But when you did it several years ago, you did something a bit different. Code number 10. Yeah, uh, I was always brought up as Paddy Code's God. There was a picture of Paddy Code on an old record player in Jack's house. And when I was growing up, I was always told to look at that. And I was told, that's God. So... <laughs> That was just, I thought it'd be something a little bit different. So I still do it to this day. If I get a name on the back of my Rovers jersey, I get called 10. I don't get your twigs or your fins or anything like that. As as good as they are, it's just something that I've stuck to. Did people ask you about the jersey? Yeah, I got. I remember being stopped in um, in a nightclub in Lucan. I can't remember the name of it. Mint. Mint nightclub. And I wasn't wearing a jersey or anything like that, but some fella came up to me. And he was like, you wear code on the back of your jersey. And I was like, yeah, yeah, who the fuck are you? <laughs> Jack's been following, or he'd been following Robert since the 1940s. He would have seen every player there ever was, and he considered Paddy to be the greatest. So, aside from calling him God, what sort of things did he say about him? Oh, he just said like he, he could do anything with a football. I remember like when I was a kid driving down, like being in the car with Jack, and like just hearing stories. And I remember saying to him one day, it was like there was a sign 50 yards down the road, and I was like, Paddy Cole hit that with a ball, and he's like, Paddy Cole could do anything. <laughs> uh, we had uh, Bobby Best on the podcast recently, and he was able to rattle off. Every every player on the 1950s team with ease, and uh, Beaver Granddad made you learn them from a very young age. Yeah, so 
I know the 56 team and the 64 team to this day. You 56, you've got O'Callaghan, Burke, Mackey, Nolan, Kell, Hennessy, McCann, Payton, Ambrose, Colden, Tui. And then in 64, you've done Kell, Courtney, Nolan, Farrell, Fulham, O'Neill, Mooney, Balaam, Ambrose, and Tui. The 64 team I remember very well because we were in Blackpool. Uh, I'd say I was about eight or nine, and we were in the pub having a few drinks or something like that. Now, obviously, I was probably taking sips out of Jack Skinner's at the time, but uh, um, he he wouldn't pay for me to pay this like a football game. We had to hit a target until I could name the 64 team. So, needless to say, we sat there for a while. It was like learning the ABCs. <laughs> so I, had, I obviously got them, and then he paid for me to hit me little football targets game and the pleasure of each in Blackpool. <laughs> So if you have your own kids someday, will the Petty Cold influence carry on? Will you tell them all about it? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's he's just like a folk figure in the ho- in the home now. Like he's he's still mentioned to this day. I know we played what sixty years ago now, over sixty years ago. But he's like when I do fantasy football things and things like that, I call my team Colts Colts. <laughs> it's just a just a little continuation, I suppose. Uh, I just wanted to read just a post that we had on the the forum recently about the podcast. It said. Uh, thought the best moment from the East End pod so far was when Ray Wilson put Thomas Davis on the list of hatred. Because of Thomas Davis, Ray's father never got to see the Who's playing Tada. Fortunately, he passed away just before we moved in. It was a very touching story and a real reminder that their disgraceful actions denied a number of hoops the moment of seeing our club move to Tada. Yeah, that's that's a touchy subject. I hate the GAA. I despise it. Like, cause, and I never, I never really liked it. But then when you go on to... To situations like that, like, and you look at what Dublin GAA as a whole, and taking us all the way up through the courts, like that's that's a really touchy subject with me. Jack died in January, January the twenty second, and then we came into Tallaght obviously on the thirteenth of March. So he was sick for a long, long time, but there was no doubt in my mind. If I had been, obviously it's not going to be two months earlier because the season, but it should have been four or five years earlier, and he should have had a couple of good years of it. But um, he never, he never got that joy, which is very upsetting and very makes me very angry sometimes and especially when you see the likes of Dublin GAA doing well it makes me sick <laughs> and our captain in the first ever game in Tata Stadium was Shane Robinson and the team huddled beforehand he spoke about the people who didn't get to see his play here including your granddad and in fact Robbo was your favourite player growing up is that right? yeah he was yeah I remember uh, Shane very well and it was uh, Shane and Mark Kenny were my two favourite players growing up and then Mark obviously moved on and Shane took over and then Shane left us and uh, I remember him not celebrating one day when he scored for us for, scored for Drogheda against us so that kind of stuck with me as well especially when he came back and I remember him sitting down the night Jack became president the night of the cup final against Derry uh, that we lost 1-0 we don't talk about Liam Coyle's goal or anything like that or the Derry fans who were playing tonight singing that Coyle song for about 40 minutes straight but um yeah, I remember Shane and Jack sitting down for a good 40 minutes to an hour that night just kind of chatting about Rovers and I was in awe of them, both of them. And Rob is still with us now working wonders with the academy. Is it good to see him still out in the bell around the place? Yeah, it's great because uh, Robbo originally came down uh, due to... Or no, sorry. Robbo came down and then he put us in contact. Or something like there's a there's a connection to Paddy Cole there as well. Paddy's, Paddy's daughter, Suzanne. I'm not sure if it was Robbo or, um, or Noel Hunt. I know they're both Waterford boys, and one of them put put us in contact with Noel Hunt. I can't remember which one, sorry. But uh, there's still a connection there, and it's great to see what Robbo's doing with the academy. I think it's it's like 
it's incredible. Like we're we're going places here. You can see. Like I go to a lot of the seventeens and nineteen games when I'm at home. But uh, you can see the talent. Like I was at the game against Moctis there a couple of weeks ago. And the nineteens played them off the park. They're they're a top senior side in the top Leinster senior league. So we're we're definitely going places there. Where are you living now yourself? I'm, I'm still living at home, but I travel around Europe, work, and I drive. I drive a bus around Europe, so the podcast keeps me <laughs> keeps me in the know, I suppose. From from what I don't get off WhatsApp groups and text messages from family members and stuff like that, but uh, it's quite difficult being away. But it's it's a great experience what I'm doing though. Yeah, so that was Gary Armstrong, serious, seriously steeped in Rovers tradition. That family and some it's, bloodline uh, there. It's great to hear, and I love the. I love the anti-gah propaganda that's just spewing from him. It's, All I had to do was tee him up. You just teed him up and he knocked him down. <laughs> but he's right as well because when we had Ray in here in Johnny Blues for Monthly Madness, he got very emotional about the GAA mm. and Thomas Davis. So I I completely echo that sentiment. So it was uh, it was nice to hear again. And did you know that Gary once played for Robert's underage teams? No. And uh, had, he, had he got a story about this? No, I only found it afterwards. That was the problem. <laughs> we to get him back on. Or you can come on our uh, end of season special, maybe. I think so, yeah. If you get your, your golden ticket. Yeah. If you're one of the few that gets picked for the end of season special. Yeah, and coincidentally, there was a feature on Jack Wilson in the programme the other night. Mr. Shamrock Rovers himself. Yeah. The award-winning programme. Yeah, might we add? Might I add? Might the prof add. Congratulations as well. The hoop scene was awarded... Premier Division Programme of the Year for 2017 by the Irish Football Programme Club and it's a great accommodation that reflects the efforts made over the last 18 months to improve the match day programme and give the fans something of great value for their four quid spend each match week. The hoop scene is a voluntary effort by a number of Rover supporters led by programme editor Robert Goggins who uh, who said, I'm delighted that the hoop scene has been voted programme of the year in the Premier Division for the 2017 season. Last year we launched a new design, introduced some new contributors and new features. I'd like to thank all the regular and occasional contributors as well as our photographers, George Kelly, Bobby Best and Fergal and John, our graphic designers. Thanks also to the members of the Irish Programme Club for voting for the hoop scene to be the winner of 2017. So, um, it's, it, it's an amazing achievement considering how many in a row had Dundalk Prof, seven. It was seven, yeah. Seven in a row. So we denied them a famous four in a row, league titles, <laughs> and eight, and in, eight a in a row programmes of the year, yeah. But it's well-deserved as well because it's it really is a fantastic publication and it's it's just going, it's, the sky's the limit for it at this stage. So so uh, this is still Robert's quote. I would like to think that the hoop scene represents everything that is good at Shamrock Rovers. We try and make the programme as varied as possible, covering player interviews, general happenings at the club, historical features and underage structure, amongst other things. Thanks to the board and the administration staff for their support. We have introduced some additional new features this season, including a fan spotlight, which is intended to develop further. So rest assured, we will not be resting on our laurels to continue to make hoop scene a good read and value for money. I would like to conclude by congratulating Waterford on winning the Force Division Award. So, uh, once again, congrats all around to everybody involved. Yeah, I'll have a look at Waterford's programme, so. On yeah, Friday. we'll have to check that one out, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if Cork's programme kind of taken a downturn. It seems that. to have. It's quite flimsy and, and... Even the stats, obviously it's the first thing I looked at, but I remember a couple of years ago, their stats were really intricate. Like a full programme lineups, colour system was really good. And I checked the other day and it's just, you know... Throw them together. Here's the results. Yeah, here you go. So in other news, we have the forum is still down, which is uh, it's still the go-to place for some old-school hoops and a, and a lot of other people as well. So hopefully that'll get back up and run soon enough. 
as it was the original online meeting place for all hoops to, to vent their fury. Yeah, there's a lot of cynicism. Anytime anyone asks, when is the forum back? Someone would be like, oh, what's that? Is that still yeah. going? Well, ah, the forum was excellent. Yeah. Especially the lookalikes. Do you remember that? Do you remember the lookalike section? Oh, yeah. That was brilliant. Well, that kind of went over my head at the time because I didn't know many people back then. Oh, it was so... Well, man, it's brilliant. Yeah. Some absolute crackers. I'd probably be in bids now laughing at so, uh, Do you know who got in touch with us? Who got in touch? Crafty Hoop. Crafty Hoop is on back. The farm. Yeah, he said, Hey, Eastam Pod on Twitter. Love the show. Still trying to listen back to all the episodes. Exiled Hoop in Canada here. Ooh, how long is he over there, did he say? No, I didn't say. We'll have to, like you said, any any hoops, any overseas hoops who are coming back for a game or just coming back for a holiday, obviously they pick up a game, if they do come back, let us know and we'd love to interview you and uh, get to know you. Oh, that was Lewis Kelly, by the way, his real name. So Lewis Kelly, Crafty Hoop. And uh, in other news, we have uh, on Saturday, the under-17s got their season underway with a 1-0 win over Limerick. The game was originally scheduled to take place at Hogan Park, but was moved to the all-weather pitches at the University of Limerick. And a late goal from Martins Ole Kanye, our young player of the year for the 17s uh, last year, is a full-back. He gave Rovers the three points. And Conor Bean, Rovers man all his life, Rovers fan. Uh, he opened the score and with a header for the visitors before Michael Conlon levered leveled from Limerick for the penalty spot. So a good start for the seventeens. Sure, now mixing all the candy up with someone else, girl. <laughs> yeah. Duffer giving me the the dead yeah. stare. Yeah, goal and assist for him. Yeah, he's one to and, watch. Uh, I reckon he's definitely a prospect. And uh, Gavin Bazoon who played in that one, and he was with the first team for Monday's game. In yeah, Limerick, I so. noticed that he was out clapping the fans at the end of the game. Maybe he just stayed there. Over the weekend, and it, yeah, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be too uh, crazy to think that he could play in a league game. I mean, look at Donnarumma for AC Milan. I think he was sixteen when he started and made his debut. So it wouldn't be a crazy thing to include him in maybe a league cup game or something along the line. Maybe Leinster senior cup. Yeah, I was convinced he was going to play that first Leinster senior cup game. Yeah, but uh, Keane Clark played. Yeah, Keane Clark plays. He's well, obviously listen, a prospect too. Keane's a prospect as yeah. well because he's in the yeah. Ireland squad. So. We uh, were spoiled for choice at that at that level. And back on to Keane Clark, him and James Forlong are included in the Ireland under seventeen squad for the thousand eighteen European qualifiers in Poland. So uh, some more representatives from the the Roadstone project. Yeah, and Jason McLean said they both have great hair as well. They both have great hair. He's just uh, what do you know? He's just jealous at this <laughs> stage, isn't he? He's too busy dipping his warts in vinegar. <laughs> Uh, so on Sunday Enda Stevens made the final cut for Friday's friendly in Turkey Martin O'Neill actually spoke about his big squads on Greatest League in the world as well so um, definitely definitely check it out it was uh, it, it was quite interesting the whole Martin O'Neill one and I, like I said I was put off at first about listening to it but it actually ended up being a really good podcast So I've not listened to that episode yet did he have a reason for calling up people giving their first ever cap celebrating with their family only to be just dropped yeah, did he have a good reason for that no, girl? not really but yeah, I didn't think so. He had a, an explanation of sorts. So Enda did make the cut and at the FAI Awards, Damien Duff went into the Hall of Fame and Aaron Bulger won the Under-17s International Player of the Year Award which is a fantastic achievement for that young guy considering the competition he was up against. Yeah, that's a great achievement. Young Adam Ida running the muck in the youth leagues over there as well. Scoring yeah. for fun. Yeah, well done Darren. I think it just takes into account senior football. It must do and Aaron is... Trailing a, a blazing a trail in the last season, certainly. Anyway, he hasn't appeared much this season, but I'm looking forward to seeing him playing some games this season. So, uh, 
Aaron Bulger, once again, as we speak about our young prodigy, he's in the Ireland under 18 squad for the two Romania friendlies on Sunday and Tuesday. Yeah, and LOI Transfer says that Aaron isn't happy at Robbers. So, you know what that means, Gar? Yeah. You must be really happy at Robbers. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I'm just waiting on their new kit exclusive. That's all I'm waiting mm-hmm. on. Maybe he's just doing his leaving, sir, and he doesn't want to suddenly move to Loud. Exactly. I know I'm, I know I'm just going out on a limb here, but that's just my theory. Yeah, God, oh, the LOI transfers, uh, just, uh, just comedy, comedy gold. So with some great articles on 42.ie recently about former Hoops Liam O'Brien, Alan Campbell. I love the Alan Campbell one, it was excellent. He was with uh, Santander, was Yeah, it? Santander, and it was just a really, really interesting article, so definitely check them out if you come across them. They uh, they gave a real insight into what it was like, Yeah, just people having no Spanish, going to this alien world and just playing football and travelling the bus up and down three and four hours and just it was excellent it really was all over Spain yeah people finally remember Campbell him and Bucco ran amok in the early 80s yeah ran amok they only played one season in the foreign row the first one and didn't uh, didn't who who went didn't Buckley go to Zulte Wadajim after that do you like that pronunciation prof that's very impressive I'd say it's I'd say it's completely wrong but it sounds good <laughs> we'll check with Tomer I mean that says a lot I mean these guys must have been excellent. Like we never saw them play, but for them to go to standards like that, like the Belgian top league and the Spanish top league, it's I would have loved to have seen that partnership. And uh, then we had a random story from Ruby Murray. There's been quite a few funny moments on the pitch over the years. Pat Flynn kicking the balls player on the ground for one. So a standout memory for me was in the, was the time fan favourite Sean Francis went to Longford and hated figure Stephen McGuinness. He came back to us back in 2002. During a match against Longford, Sean, he put the ball past McGuinness to go through on goal. But as he went past, McGuinness lifted him over, preventing, preventing a definite goal-scoring chance. What happened next was comical. The Rovers fan turned on McGuinness for chopping down a fan's favourite, even though he's playing for the opposition Longford. The Rovers of you fucking wanker, McGuinness. You dirty bastard, McGuinness. Was near definite, and I'll never forget the look of pure bewilderment on McGuinness's face as he got up off the ground. I'm sure he was thinking, "I'm out there stopping him from scoring a goal, and I'm still getting lashed out." It's a great story. That reminds me of the time up in Sligo. I think we were, I think we were losing three 0 Neil Doyle was refing, and he was having an absolute stinger, and so are we on the pitch. But I think he gave Rovers a free, and the Rovers fans erupted. They were going, "That's a fucking disgrace!" Yeah, brutal Doyle he got off abuse he gave us the free but it was the wrong decision so they, they gave him they gave him dogs abuse for it. It, was, it was hilarious so we'll move on now to our Limerick win and uh, 1-0 at the Marketsfield on Bank Holiday Monday and it was our first away win of the season prof there was a precautionary pitch inspection at 10am and thankfully it passed and we were good to go so we were down with the Tutsmobile with young Tutty and we drove down and uh, got there in record time. Yeah, we went past the uh, Barack Obama Plaza. Yeah, a couple of hoops took it in. We should have, yeah. we should have really done that, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think Tom Murphy stopped by because I saw he stuck a, a Rovers hat on Barack's cardboard cutout. Yeah, no, it's something we uh, we we should have done, but uh, yeah, um, I was I was quite pleased with the Tussmobile. Yeah, yeah, just... I'd uh, I'd take it again for sure. It's fast. It's, <laughs> it's band terrific. <laughs> I'm even starting to dress like Tut, you know what I'm wearing the trackies and all here in Johnny Bills. Ah, oh, there you go. Look, the t- twoies can go f- can go shopping together now. Yeah, he's rubbing off. Me, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I missed there from driving down was Alex. Ah, uh, yeah, good old Alex. Alex the bus driver. Alex the bus driver. So, um, I think we're gonna have to 
we're going to have to rattle off an interview we did with him. So we did an interview with Alex, the bus driver on the way home in Cork last week, but we couldn't air it until we had it translated. So yeah. this is Alex and our Scottish correspondent, Hamish McTominay. Right, so we're on the way home from Cork and it's a one nil loss and we have Alex the bus driver. So Alex, tell us when you started driving. When I started driving? Yeah. When Adam wore a kilt? Yeah. <laughs> I started driving in 1972. When I started driving? When Adam wore a kilt? I started to drive in 1972. So yeah, a long time, Eddie. And um, what about, whereabouts in Scotland are you from? I'm from a quaint village called Glasgow. I'm from a quaint village called Glasgow, where the kiss was invented. Right, so you obviously have to have one team, so what team is that? Well, football, I don't like football, my friend. That's I'm not what we heard, no. I'm an ice hockey man, <laughs> but I'm the only, only hun that likes Shamrock Rovers. <laughs> what, football? I don't like football, my friend. I'm an ice hockey man, but I'm the only that likes Shamrock Rovers. That's probably true. <laughs> and uh, your thoughts on the, the Gary Twig Supporters Club, what do you think of them so far? You've been driving us for a while now. Yeah, I've been driving Shamrock Rovers supporters for three years now and they're an excellent, excellent bunch of guys. I've been driving Shamrock Rovers fans for three years now. They're an excellent bunch of guys. Yeah, there's been no trouble at all. So, who's the biggest troublemaker out of the lot? Have you pinpointed anybody? It must be that old guy, Tony. <laughs> Tony Orr, yeah. Do you know what? He doesn't leave me alone either. He's an awful hassle merchant. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a right patter merchant as well. He keeps trying to patronise you. It must be that old git, Tony. He's a right patter merchant as well. He keeps trying to patronise you. So we've uh, we've had our own tunes on for a while now. What do you think of the music? The choice of music? I think it's a bit old fashioned. <laughs> I remember them, so it must be old fashioned. I think it's a bit old fashioned. I remember them, so they must be old fashioned. <laughs> and uh, uh, how are the piss stops decided? When when do you decide to let the lads take a piss up? Is it the peer pressure? No, I, I never take peer pressure. I only stop when I think it's safe to stop. Oh, I never take peer pressure. I only stop when I think it's safe to stop. Very good. That was a very diplomatic response. And the speed limits. I've noticed that, uh, you know, red lights mean stop in Dublin. You know that, don't you? No, I thought there was somebody standing in the street trying to sell themselves. <laughs> no, on the contrary. I thought it was somebody standing on the streets trying to sell themselves. Because <laughs> we noticed you've, uh, you like to put the foot down. But uh, you know, so we, like I said, we, we like to appreciate everybody here at Shamrock Rovers and we wanted to show some appreciation to our bus driver, Alex. So that's it. And uh, podcast, sit down. <laughs> Go on. Podcast, sit down, you ball bag. Yeah, so that was Alex. Uh, interesting to say the least, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about this. He just shouts random stuff yeah. during the bus journey. And you and I just look at each yeah, other. Like, and what, like, what was that? Like, what did he just say? And I'm like, I didn't catch a word of that. Uh, he's brilliant, though. He's yeah. excellent. He really is. And he gives us gives us a lot of leeway. So we're yeah. definitely going to hold on to him. Oh, he's a character. So uh, before we go into our team news, we uh, straight out of Tootsmobile and we're into the track pub. And then before we get into the game, I, f- I found the staff quite nice in the gate. Did you, Prof? You went in a, a little bit before me. 
This is a common theme now with Limerick, I find. Just going back to Town Park, that's probably the most impressed I've ever been with a team welcoming the way support. And Farnes, the chairman, has continued that on to Marcus Field. Very welcoming. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people found it cringy, but I thought it was great. Fair play. I mean, he, he did a speech, he gave us a plaque and welcoming us down there. So it was, uh, it was a nice touch. Yeah, so like I said, the staff were great on the gate and they actually treated us like humans. So it was nice to be treated like That's a human for once. Interesting concept. Yeah. And there was a fantastic view of St. John's Cathedral as well from behind the goal. Did you, what did you think of that? I thought that was great. Yeah, very picturesque. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And the sun shining, but it did get really cold as the as the Especially minutes. when it got darker, yeah. Yeah, but it was a fantastic view and a great great bank holiday Monday. Beats that Bowes Church. Yeah, be, yeah. So on team news, we had Sam Bone, Joel Coustron and Gary Shaw came in for Greg Bulger, Brando and Danny Kerr. So a uh, couple of changes there and Coustron interview in the paper as well. So what do you think of that, Prof? Yeah, he was saying that uh, Martin Russell brought him in initially. But then uh, Neil McDonald took over and he said, looked at him for four days and he said, you're not getting in the team. Named the hook. And he was gone. Yeah. Down to Ballynanty Rovers, I believe. Yeah, Andrew Cunningham, who we had on the show last week, he did predict it would be a game for Shazzy, especially with their pitch. And yeah, I was convinced that Shazzy and Custrain would play. Uh, you know, Custrain's a Limerick lad. And Mille probably did need to kick up the arse, to be fair. Yeah, and Coustrain had a point to prove, to be honest. He so, did, yeah, in his uh, hometown. I, yeah. And he had a good game as well. So, uh, here's the question that a lot of people have been asking. Is Brads are tinkering too much? And my response to that is, I think the squad... I think it's, it's, I think it's been rotated well to a point where the majority of the players seem to feel like they have an important role to play, like no matter what. Like, for instance, Lukey Bourne... He, uh, he's he been starting and he's been very good when he was starting but when he was brought on to do a job on Monday night they had t- we had 10 men and he was enthusiastic he was professional and he came on and did a job for us he shored it up when we were under the cosh and like for instance we spoke about this in the car on the way down I think it was Eric Eric Ten Hag the Ajax manager he asked Amin Younes to come on late in a 4-1 win and he just blatantly ignored him torn his head and refused to go on so there is players like that out there, but it seems like Bradzer has has made them all feel like they have a part to play. Like Bulger and Bone keep switching between that role that drops mm. in between the two centre halves that allows the fullbacks to get on, and they can both play that role very well because they both have excellent ranges of passing. But it seems like he has the whole squad thinking, okay, we're together in this. We're all going to play throughout the long season. We're all going to play eventually. Maybe one or two might be alienated, like Sean Boyle, who doesn't look like he's getting in, but they all seem to have bought into philosophy that, that Bradzer is, is instilling in the team. So what do you think? My answer is yes and no. Yes and no. I think uh, Sam Bowen has proved that he's good enough to come in for Bolger and I'd keep her really table. I think, I think Luke Byrne is probably suited to some games more than others. So I kind of see what Bradzer's doing there. Joey O'Brien, he's not going to play every game. No. The only thing I don't agree with is probably up front. I would like to see the same striker start every week for 10 games. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you as well. Get some sort of um, consistency there and, and, and style to the play. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause we actually only have one goal so far between our two strikers. I know, yeah. We, and we, you could say, I mean, you wouldn't really call Borky a striker, but it's uh, it, it's good to see him scoring goals. Like you said, and your, your prediction is looking good at the moment. But uh, yeah, we were standing next to the Pines Mafia at the game. Godfather Mick Kearns. 
He regaled us with stories of riots in Limerick in the 80s and slates from building sites being frisbeed around Marketsfield. And Dave Dunn was there too. I felt like I was in that movie, Grumpy Old Men, <laughs> at one stage. Cause well, we were standing in front of Dave, so we got an earful from him. <laughs> it was just a constant commentary. And he, he's got high standards, hasn't he? Yeah. So when uh, we, we were speaking about goalkeepers in the stand and a lot of people were saying to Mick, I mean, what are we going to do? How are we going to get Bradzer to, to sign a new goalkeeper? And then Mick Mick came back and said, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, so the pitch, uh, I think it was fifth for Farman, to be honest. It was, it was very poor, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Roby was played on it during the week. That's crazy. I mean, you're talking scrums, you're talking... Big heavy lads just chopping that pitch up. It's crazy that they're even sharing it. Surely there's plenty of pitches around around Limerick just to play rugby on. That was the most startled I've been by a pitch actually. Shocking, wasn't in it? In the last few years. Yeah, no, it was really poor. There was a Bowes game, I think. Was it maybe it was under Crowley. Maybe it was around St Paddy's Day where the pitch was just unreal. Probably the worst I've seen since then. Yeah, no, it was really poor and it was hard to play football on. There was a lot of bobbles and Potential injuries as well, so um, the passing wasn't too bad actually. Mm, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but it was it was it was still tough to get a grip. It was tough, yeah. Yeah, so the away view as well, like we spoke about, it was uh, it was picturesque, St John's Cathedral in Limerick, and uh, yeah, I mean you got a covered stand, decent view. Uh, Maloney was very impressed with it. He, he reckons it's the best away view in the whole league. It's 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 very possible. You now, considering I'm not a big fan of behind the goal, but you still had a bit of height. It wasn't like Richmond Park right down the ground, and it's, it's you struggle to see the game. And uh, no, but yeah, definitely fantastic day out. I have to say. Yeah, and we mentioned the warm welcome we got. Really was. It was excellent. Like I said, the chairman was uh, making presentations to the travelling supporters this season in front of the away section before kick off, and he handed a treaty stone plaque to Rovers representatives, and it's actually a very very nice thing mm. to do. So it's probably going to uh, stick that in the shop in the display that we have there. You wrote twenty eighteen Premiership on it though. Sorry if I'm being pedantic, but I found no, that no, I'd agree with you there. Found that a bit weird. No, he hands it to George Keddy. And uh I was getting a, a burger at the time, so I didn't know what was going on. I just caught the tail end of this. <laughs> so you said it was cringy. At first I did think it was cringy. I thought he was going full Delia Smith. <laughs> Let's be having yeah. I just heard this wacky accent. I was like, What what is this about? How was the burger? I was satisfied. Satisfied, yeah. Yeah. Give it a seven. Give it a seven. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the first half. Um, like I said, you know what? I think I think both of these scrappy one nils were were kind of non-events. I mean, we just kind of pushed on and and got the three points. They there wasn't much to talk about. Although they came at us, their little right winger, I think number yeah. seven, as someone described him as Forrest Gump beside me, he just ran. And they did try and carve us open. I thought Billy Den- Billy Denny was decent as well, but um, probably had more chances than us. Yeah, no, they did. They they tried to get us in the first half, so. You can see how they did get the point against Cork. Yeah, 2-1-0 wins, as you said. I mean, we're going to need to win a few of these games this season to be challenging. And if you if we had to pull out these results in the last series, this would be called league winning form. You know, this mm. is this is the type of thing that Michael O'Neill used to do. He'd pull a win out of the bag out of nowhere. You know, they, they just had a knack of winning that Michael O'Neill team. So it's a, it's, it's a fantastic six points in the last two days against Pats and Limerick. Well, the foundation is the clean sheets, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's four now. We don't look like conceding. How many games do you think it took us to get four clean sheets last year, Ger? Oh, God. Um, 12. 17. 17! We've Ooh, done it in seven now. We've done it in seven. So we'll move on to the second half. And uh, like I said, there was it was a bit of a non-event. 
So our first bit of a uh, bit of action in the second half. Yeah, me and the prop here, we don't really have anything on the second half because there wasn't much going on. Uh, the penalty, blatant penalty, Sean Kelly, absolutely tore Ronan Finn down. Yeah, he lunged on him. And think Johnny Blue is on the, on the roof there. Something landed on Johnny Blue's roof. No doubt he's working on something there. <laughs> this place is a war zone, by the way. Yeah, think it's a war zone. I think we should head back to Prop's lair. Hopefully it's cleaned up by Sunday. Uh, Johnny Blue is always up to something. Yeah, but the penalty, blatant penalty, and... Um, Nicely dispatched by uh, by Borgie, and a song has been born. Hopefully, on the on the on the Fort Rovers chat, and we can uh, we that that one can stick. And it seems like a cracker to the tune of My Old Man's a Dustman, same way we mm. sing to Cork. And uh, yeah, hopefully that sticks. Yeah, I can see that catching on. So that's three penalties out of three for Burke. Yeah, hundred percent record. Same with Sadlier, I think Sadlier had three in a row. I think didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, now he's the coolest man in Limerick. The coolest man in Limerick. Slot at home. Not the coldest man, though. That was undoubtedly me. Yeah. Because I was suffering. You need to get yourself a pair of long johns yeah. and some thermal socks. Also, Berkey started an impressive photo collection, if you noticed. Yeah, it, the two photos. The one, the, the, the Karate Kid photo was brilliant. And then the other one looked like he was on an imaginary horse. <laughs> well, it was the crane pose. Yeah. Yeah, in Karate Kid. Yeah. Bronco. Wax on. Wax off. Yeah, so the red card, this shocked the whole stand. And we just didn't see the actual incident. We yeah. saw it as a tackle. not Nothing in it at all, but apparently he kicked out because the ref did a little action, a little kick in action and said, okay, that's what you did. I'm going to have to look back on it. So It sounds like it was a kind of a pointless little kick out of yeah, Dennehy. And this is something that we thought we eliminated from our game. And I'd be, I'm very disappointed if it is the case. If he did kick out with him, I'm disgusted because it's something that we... Definitely needed to work on from last season. 11 red cards last season. We're up to one now. Hopefully it's the last one. And he doesn't get the three games. Hopefully it's rescinded to one. Same way Graham Cummins was. So, well, I have no faith in that guy because remember <laughs> Dave McAllister was given three games last year. And then he got the fourth. For a 50-50 tackle. Didn't he get the fourth? Didn't he get a fourth added on? No, I think it was just three. It was, it was three. Can you give me another example of the last few seasons of a player getting three game banned for a 50-50 tackle? No. Definitely not. Can't so think of it I have all. no faith in this ban being, being reduced to I one. I think game. the last time we had a ban reduced was Twiggy, wasn't yeah. it? Celebrating in front of the balls. But I think the Graham Kelly gave, it, didn't he? The linesman was standing right beside it. He didn't give it. And then Kelly. Oh, it was Graham Kelly. Yeah, Kelly Lino's, ran from the other side of the pitch to give it. Yeah, no, Linos didn't uh, didn't so, raise the flags at all. Yeah, personally, I blame Paul McGrath for this one. <laughs> well, he spoke about it on the way yeah. up, didn't he? On the car down, he said, "Oh, was you a red card?" Uh, nice one, Polly. Yeah, I actually had a god mattress. <laughs> uh, so yes, back we we're back getting red cards now. But listen, we're we're hopefully we're not the bad boys topping the bad boy list come the end of the season. Uh, the car chance at the end, Prof. You thought Finn should have had a pop from halfway line, didn't you? Well, it's a unique chance when your when your goal the opposition keeper is out of his box. You should just lob him. Yeah, but maybe you could take the pitch into account as well. Maybe Finn or thought I'm not going to be able to strike this on this bobbly pitch. They worked it in well, in fairness. They worked it in well, and you said it's a one-on-one chance. Which we should yeah, be scoring. Yeah, but, but you reduce an open goal to a, one-on-one to a chance. chance. Yeah, That's true, my argument. True, very true, but I still think uh, we worked it in well. It was nice to see us working in well, but obviously we would have liked seeing goal from the halfway line. But um, he should have buried it, in fairness, Carsey. I know it didn't matter in the end. but And we had some performances as well. I think standout performances for me was Grace, again. I thought Boyle had a good game. I thought Trevor Clark was excellent. Yeah, Trevor Clark was excellent. And um, 
You mentioned Grace. I love this little nod back to Tomer. Oh, it looked like nothing at the time, but he makes it look like nothing. Those he- those those headers back to goalkeepers are just a joy to watch, especially when you're under pressure and it's it's just a thing of beauty at times. He just had a pipe and slippers as he did. A <laughs> pipe and slippers. Like I said, he was certainly the coolest man on the pitch when, when he did that. Yeah, as you said at the game, Limerick were well organised. They probably will be at home. They had been unbeaten at home until then. A lot of unknowns in the squad as well. I mean, they struggled yeah. with some of their subs. I, I didn't know who they were. Apparently they were depleted with injuries. Yeah. We have a mid-podcast announcement. We've just reached 500 followers on Instagram. Literally just there. Crumlin United have uh, were our 500 followers. So thanks to Crumlin United. And um, I still don't use Instagram to be honest, so I leave that to <laughs> it's you. Like me with Twitter, you yeah. do Twitter, I do IG. We'll leave it at that. So that's uh, 500 followers on Instagram. Thanks very much to everybody. And don't forget, quick plug while we're here at Eastan Pod on Twitter, Tales from the Eastan at gmail.com, and Tales from the Eastan on Instagram. So get in touch with us if you need us. Riley Parsons on Facebook, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook as well. And uh, yeah, Sam Maloney asking a question Was this the first time since last season? That we won an away game, haven't had a player sent off. Excellent question. Yeah, and we did one. We did win one last season at Shelburne FA Cup. Remember, we're already treating it up. Yeah. Finn supposedly dives, and we got a draw in the cup semi final. McAllister got the red, but we did lose all five away games last season Ooh. with a red card. The fact that we got five red cards in five away games as well is is, is terrible. Mm. Yeah, so Alan O'Brien's tactics, um, he analyses games and usually they're in, they're, they're really in-depth and they're good, but I just didn't agree with this at all. I didn't agree with his analysis at all on this one. Well, for those not familiar with him, he uh, does commentary uh, on Limerick games. You might see him pop up when we played him. And actually, he's the most unbiased commentator around. If you listen to the Cork one and the Derry one, it's just blatant bias. This guy is actually calls it down the middle. But his analysis a bias really creeps in then because I don't know, the guy just holds grudges against certain people and teams. It's not just Rovers, it's it's Limerick Limerick managers, everyone. Just he holds grudges. <laughs> and he's had this narrative for a while that Bradley is gonna fail. And that all his signings are gonna fail. So That's start- what annoyed me, the signings thing. Yeah. His starting point is these signings are a failure and then his analysis stems out from that point. So I'm sorry, he's a very good analysis but I can't take him seriously anymore now because it's just overwhelming at this point. Yeah, the transfer thing uh, frustrated me because he, he pretty much said Brazzer has failed in the transfer market which is which is a crazy thing to say because we've uncovered some fantastic players there, you know what I mean? Uh, and credit where it's due last season we said he was spot on remember that Tosi got last minute equaliser for them oh yeah oh, he was bang on the he was bang on the money in that but one but it's just now that we're winning his narrative is continuing on despite the results you know what I mean mm, yeah the results aren't going to change his narrative oh yeah Denny he's a gem and uh, Ronald Finn is shite yeah currently Ron, <laughs> Denny he's a gem and yeah. Ronald Finn is shite uh, so we had Ed Saul and uh, he analysed us as well. Resident season ticket thrower. Yeah, he wrote this at 9 o'clock in Money Gall, by the way. The home of Obama. Yeah, the home of Obama. Ancestral home of Obama. 
and he said a brilliant win on a cow field of a pitch another clean sheet and ticking along nicely but some points taken from tonight praised Homer on Friday and tonight he nearly cost us twice with moments of madness the man is nuts Boyle improving every week and Grace the best centre half in the league Bork not on it tonight and he still scored the all important goal but we need him fit because I'm not sure where the goals will come without him I thought about that myself earlier on I said if Bork gets injured we're in trouble and we'll continue on with Ed's quote saying we still need that out and out goal scorer having a silly boy even though it didn't look like an awful lot in it. Brilliant away support again. No other team in the league could match it. So, uh, Bowes had 50 fans in Cork on the Bank Holiday Monday. We had 400. On a work night. On a work night, yeah. One thing an awful lot of people are saying about the two games, Pass and Nimerick. These are games you wouldn't have won last year. Very true, yeah. I agree with that. Hmm. Definitely agree with that because we, we just... We couldn't push on last year. We were still developing our style of play, and I think we have it nailed on now. We, we were re- very attractive. Like like I said, the last two games, we weren't amazing, but we, we, we did try to push on and score goals every time, and that's what I love about this team. Bradzer encourages them to go out and win every time. So Yeah, if you go back to the past game, we were looking for that second goal. Yeah, we pushed on Straight big away. time. Their pressure, that's the, the pressure it, it really got to them. And we needed to see it out. Those last five minutes were nervy, but... We did that too. And we certainly did it, yeah. So it's positive all round at the moment, bar one or two little things. And uh, then we had Mikey O'Connor. Just as we were leaving the markets field, a video broke of him and his brother Kieran being arrested in Dundalk. So uh, that was a tricky one. They seem to, uh, 30 seconds in, Mikey tries to do a runner and he gets absolutely floored, gets tackled to the ground. Now, that's what it looks like in the video, but apparently he said he got six months probation for drunk and disorderly and resisting arrest, and all he did was kick a bag of chips from a fella's hand. He was annoying me, and I didn't resist. Just really tried walking past the guards because I didn't know they were trying to arrest me, plus I wasn't drunk. Now, this this isn't gospel, but it's what we're hearing on social media, so uh, you should be kicking footballs, not bags of chips. He said he just tried walking past the garage, but were his hands not cut behind his they back? They were, yeah. At that See, point? you don't know. It's conflicting reports. So uh, when, until we get something solid, we'll we'll uh, we'll leave that to the side. But we're going to talk about other results on the Friday, and we had Limerick won, Cork City won, so they definitely do have form at home. And we went on to beat them after that result. Dundalk beat Waterford one 0 at home with a lay, lay, own goal, and Bowles drew two all with Sligo Rovers. And then on the Monday, we had Bray postponed with Waterford. Cork hammered balls 3 0 at home. And Pats was postponed with Sligo Rovers again. So they weren't bothered to get the shovels out and get rid of the snow. Yeah, the snow stopped. Um, when was it? Like 6 o'clock the day before? Yeah. Maybe uh, Kelleher wouldn't give him the few quid for the snow plough. Yeah, Tohi was uh, very vocal about this, wasn't he? Yeah. They were very lazy. So, um, yeah, so that was the results on the Monday. The Dock were being a friendly that night, weren't they? Yeah, against maybe Parted Down or some Northern team anyway. One of the Northern teams. It was a strange one. Maybe they just wanted to get a bit of match fitness in. Play some younger players. So, like we said, Bowes brought 50 on the bank holiday Monday. And they're second from bottom now. So, it's a big, big game for them coming up. They have Bray. So, bottom relegation battle already. Bray and Bowes coming up yeah if you took out the balls result we'd be top already and they'd be five points from safety I know yeah it'd be uh, it, it's amazing what a couple of minutes can do in a game ten minutes of madness in the first game of the season and just on those results if you throw in the horse racing as well not a great couple of weeks for Johnny Ward's tips no jo- Johnny Ward uh, does he actually get paid for this Johnny Ward maybe should take up gymnastics 
or just a different career re- review films because he I think he bought a horse with Johnny Dunleavy and it died after one race he tipped Pats to beat us didn't happen tipped Derry to beat us he tipped Derry to beat us didn't happen beat him 6-1 he tipped Sandsend in Cheltenham it died so maybe like I said go, maybe start reviewing movies Johnny or, or go down a different career career path and uh, we're by no means mocking dead horses here we're just telling you what happened and um, so we had a bit of controversy with at loan they had to start a midfielder in goal in their first division game which I, I place the blame on, on at loan there you should register a keeper you should have your 17 or your 19th keeper registered I've no, they've no one else to blame but themselves there that's what the manager said yeah that definitely no one else to blame but themselves <coughs> and uh yeah, so Brian Kennedy as well from Waterford. You might remember his book, Just Follow the Floodlights. Great read. Yeah, Brian and I actually have something in common. We both had a book published by the Lippy Press. So, Mr. David Gibbons, a good friend of League of Ireland. So, uh, yeah, the prof interviewed uh, Brian Kennedy and uh, we're going to roll that one out. So we're joined the line by Waterford fan and author Brian Kennedy, who's written 11 books to date. His latest effort is called One Team... One Dream, One Friday Night. We should be on the bookshelves at the end of April, early May. So, Brian, tell us the idea behind this one. Um, hi, Carl. I just wanted to do um, a follow-up to kind of to just follow the floodlights. Um, but I, I could have done an updated version of that, but I said I'd try and do something different. And I've been thinking of different ideas. And it just thought, thought, occurred to me that, uh, you know, if you're a fan of a club, and there's a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm a fan of a club, and it's... I'd like to write, you know, a few paragraphs, whatever the case may be. So I kind of sent out a general email to people I knew who helped me with just following the photos and said, look, um, well, are you interested in writing, writing a piece about Finn Harps, Shamrock Grove, whatever the case may be? And when I came back, it was basically 35 uh, stories for 35 fans of 35 clubs. That's past and present. You know, even the likes of Newcastle West are taken in, into account as well. Our own Robert Goggins wrote the Shamrock Rovers chapter. Robert, yeah, Robert is fantastic. He helped me with just all the photos. He's um, his pieces actually to do with Rovers. Um, during during their heyday, during the mid eighties, uh, when they won like the, the leagues and FA uh, I cups back uh, back to back. Um, and people like Barry Ramsey was kind of like in the story. Uh, Finn Harps, he wrote the Finn Harps story. He does the Finn Harps uh, piece. Declan Hughes is kind of in his story as UCD. He does his piece as well. Um, Jerry Desmond and Plunkett Carter were two well-known names in terms of Cork, and they wrote uh, pieces on uh, Cork City and Cork Athletic. So. There's a really good big mix. mix it. I mean, it, it goes back to as far as uh, the segments on uh, teams back to 1940 and obviously up to date. Um, and I'm very happy with, with, with the response in this. The, the quality of writing is extremely good. I'm very happy with that. Uh, I like the cover of Just Fall the Floodlights, the guy standing with his arms spread out in front of the Daily Mount Park floodlights. But I think I like this one even better because it's a great shot of Oriel Park in the snow. The only thing missing was the orange ball. Yeah, it's funny because I was chatting to people and um, <laughs> myself, I, I, I actually kind of wanted that one for the front and then I had I had two or three other images for the for the back. Now, I mean, the book, I haven't got the definitive front and back cover, but most certainly that cover will be on the front of the back. Uh, it's a great, it's a fantastic shot. I actually got a, a few more shots of uh, Limbic fans up in the Oriel Park as well, which again, it was uh, snow laden as well. But um, I, I was never going to top 
the, the, the cover of Just Follow the Footlights as much as I, as much as I wanted to uh, I was never going to top that um, but there's this, this lovely image and that, that snow one as you're saying the only thing that's missing is, uh, is uh, the, the orange or the yellow ball uh, but that was a magnificent uh, photograph as well I, I, the, the book itself is it comes to about about 300 pages but there's almost 100 uh, photographs in it that wouldn't have been used in Just Follow the Footlights so it's, it's, uh, it's a, although it's a League of Ireland book it's completely different to what just from the side of about because it's coming from fans of the clubs and they're writing in their own personal way that says that some stuff that they write would, might mean much to kind of the general League of Ireland um, person but to their actual club it, it would mean small little things like that. So yeah, very happy with that. As for Waterford, they've obviously have a huge investment in the club by Lee Power. They're back in the top flight for the first time in over a decade and you've made a great start of the season getting good crowds yeah, in there. I mean, so what's the vibe around the place like? Oh, the vibe is fantastic at the moment, Karen. I mean, we were expecting you know, some people getting carried away down here talking about Europe. I would say, look, we just finished the relegation zone and trying to again become um, you know, a functioning Premier League club. But the, the, the start has been magnificent. I mean, like the home game against Derry... Um, good win um, Bohemians wouldn't have been they never looked in any danger St. Pat's beat them at home desperately unlucky last um, Friday although you know, they were under the cosh desperately unlucky against it, to be honest it shows how far the club have come that you know, we're lamenting not drawing with a side that have won the championships and double doubles over the, over the last few years uh, at, at home I think they've got to make the RSC for just the game against Shamrock Rovers will be almost sold out you're looking at maybe three and a half thousand of that um, but at the moment they've, done, they've made some good acquisitions and uh, they, they, I don't think there'll be a problem of going down you know, no, you know there'll be a point when you know, we lose a few games and we might take one or two beatings but um, you know, he, he, he assembled a good side in there um, uh, so you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll finish as high as we can. You started following Rovers in 1975. Their dominance of six titles in eight years had just come to an end at that stage, and now you've been waiting yeah, 34 years for major silverware. So a lot of ups and downs as a Waterford fan. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's it's that kind of people use that moniker sleeping giant, and some people say she use it or not. But from from 66 to 73, they won six titles as you right said in eight years. Even Rovers haven't done that. Um, and since that has been kind of sporadic, 1980 won the FA Cup. It's still a source of, of wonderment down here that we've only won the FA Cup twice. Uh, there's been a couple of League Cup uh, uh, successes and First Division Championship successes. Um, but the great thing about it is that people are coming down to the RSC now. I mean, the average attendance before that car was like was 211 people, you know. And it, it's funny, just thinking about that now, I just made a, a tweet last night about the predicament that that local town were in. And it's sad to see because, I mean, this is how we would have with a great history as well but you know like, okay the goalkeeper team was, was an embarrassment these things happen but you know the, the fans are the, the true fans are, are staying away from Lizzie Wooden and the club are you know they're, they're trying to survive on two or three hundred uh, a week and like I know from a water point of view I know exactly I, I, I can feel that place because if it wasn't for Lee Power we'd be still a fourth division club we'd still be attracting maybe three four hundred people so you know it's a it's a terrible situation to be to be in but as I said there, there's a fantastic vibe down here people who haven't been in the RSC in their life are coming, coming out so you know uh, the tone says are clicking very nicely at the moment Friday's game against Rovers being shown on RTE having been stuck in the graveyard of the first division for so long there can't have been many Televised games the RSC in recent times. Um, God, I think you go back to 2009. It was an FA Cup semi final. Was the last one. Um, and the Rovers one is interesting, Carl, because 
to Rovers, look, it's just another Premiership club. But to us, Rovers have always been the nemesis. Uh, down through the years, maybe some of the cock clubs, cock hips, uh, cock United, athletic teams like that. But Rovers have always been the nemesis, and they had some fantastic clashes down through the years. Uh, the record attendance at Milltown is 22,000, and that was in 1968 when the Blues played them. And just if you think about that now, I think of Milltown and think 22,000, it's astonishing. Um, so that's why the, the, I think, along with Cork City at home, uh, this is the one that really gets the imagination of, of of the supporters. And as I said, they're averaging like two and a half thousand per game. But I know at the moment that they're asking people to get tickets uh, before actual returns, and they're you know they're setting up rapidly. Them so then they'll be. I think the capacity is three and a half thousand. So it'll be near to that. But as I said, it's just another game for us. But for for the Blues, it's a big thing. And look, it's nice to have it on 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 TV. It won't it won't take away from the crowd there'll still be a set out crowd in there but it'll be nice that you know I suppose the rest of the league the League of Ireland fraternity will be able to have a look and see what we're, what we're about The two clubs haven't met since the 2009 League Cup quarterfinal do you remember that one? That's right I do remember that actually yeah 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 and I'm always took a good crowd down to this is another thing actually Carl another uh, good reason about being in this division is that you know, the likes of Bowes brought down a good crowd. Derry, Rose will certainly be in a crowd to us. Uh, City will as well. Uh, we have that win. It was, it was a nice win, but we, our wins against Rose have been far and few between. And of course, you know, it's been 10 years since we've been um, in, the, in the Premiership. And you rightly actually described it. I hate saying it, but you rightly described the first division. It's just a graveyard. You know, I think, I think this year, Carl, it's... There's a little bit more focus on it on the likes of Soccer Republic, who should be showing the first who should be showing the first division anyway. Um, but I think with the likes of Galway, United going down, uh, Drogheda and Ben Harps, it makes it probably the most competitive first division has been in a long time and slightly more higher profile because those three teams, you know, get a few more column inches as such. Um but look, I said we're just delighted to be out and as I said to you at the start, the Lee Paris is going to be there forever and his vision would obviously be for the club to stay as a fully functioning Premier Club that's self-sustainable and can look after itself when he goes as I said I'm under no illusion and no amorphous under any illusion that we certainly wouldn't be in the decision without him but you know I think at every stage I think League of Ireland clubs have had A. money problems or B. maybe a kind of a sugar daddy for want of a better word there's plenty of uh, Waterford and Roberts connections of course Ethan Boyle began his senior career with the Blues you've just signed Dave Webster who spent a few seasons with Roberts but one man who was a cult hero of both clubs was Pat Flynn he started his league Ireland career there that's right yeah yeah we, we actually we've done a couple of books down here we've done a, a, a couple of chapters of Pat yeah he is a cult hero with that you, you mentioned um, Webster is playing on his skin at the moment so there's definitely um a connection there. Pat Flynn was opposite. He was always a cut here down here. I think maybe the likes of maybe Kenny Brown has, has taken over that man just because he's kind of a water lad as well. Um, and we do love our, our, our heroes down here. We've got a guy called uh, Bastina Heary who I don't know if you have seen him play yet, but this guy is a, he's a serious player. He's, he's a step above anything, I think. In, in, he stands out in the, the blue side. It makes him take. Um, and we'll be lucky as well, as, as I said, in fairness, Adam Reynolds, he's made those acquisitions, uh, uh, you know, Webster, you said, from, from uh, the hopes. And they've strengthened the squad for maybe 14 or 15 players. And the great thing about it is that they've gelled straight away. No one expected after six games for us to won four um, and lost two. And I said they've gelled well. The idea would be uh, to keep 
the RSC to make that type of fortress. We've had three good wins down there already, and I'm sure we're going to give uh, give Rovers a test. What I would say is that at the start of the season, I put money on Rovers to win the title because I think that their academy has gone kind of did 24 seven. They've gone walking full time at the moment. They have a great setup there, and they they have some nice acquisitions, and I think they really push um, they push Cork for I know. To dark probably as well, but I, I just picked Rovers from the from the outset. Uh, I know they went down yesterday, but you know, it's, it's it's a long league, um, it's a long way to go. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think you mentioned there one of your old Waterford books, Blue, White and Dynamite, and Pat Flynn got to write his own chapter in that one. And he, <laughs> he talks about the chant that the Waterford fans had for him, and he said he pissed himself laughing when he heard it. He, he, he could never understand that the chant and the cult status, like, but he was. He was just, you know, you know we've had these same affairs down to years. Tony Hall is a guy that a good few years ago people loved as well. You go right back to the 60s side, Johnny Matthews. And Johnny, of course, obviously played with, with the Blues during between 66 and 73. And Johnny is 70 years of age and he still reps re- junior league down here. In fact, I, I've been kind of walking with him on and off about possibly doing a book. Um, and Johnny was always a coach here, uh, down, down here. Um, how he endured himself mostly to the fans was when we got relegated in, in 89, he took after, took, looked after the club from between 89 and 90. And we got promoted from the first division. Um, we got promotion in two, we had two leg playoff against Flagler Rose. We beat them in 2 in the second leg. But when the second uh, goal was scored, that Johnny was dressed basically in the Superman outfit. And when we scored a second, when he ran up the line in the Superman outfit, I was looking and said, Who's this nut? Was this cave going up the road? But that was Johnny. Like, and he was all, he, he always, he's a blues fan at heart. He goes to all the games, brings his heart on the, on the sleeve. Uh, probably not being treated well by been a couple of times during the club in terms of his tenure as manager. Um, but yeah, I, I think everybody liked, uh, you, you know, Tio Brazil would be another name going way back to blues fans in the, uh, um, in the 80s. But look, as I said, hopes every, every player, sorry, every club has, um, has their college heroes. And yeah, Pat was definitely one of them. Well, hopefully you'll pop in the talent to promote your new book and Rawers fans can pick up a copy. Once again, it's called One Team, One Dream, One Friday Night. So, Brian, thanks for chatting to us today. That's great, Carl. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Yeah, I didn't know Finner was a cult icon down in Warford. I think he mentioned on the, on the podcast when he was here, didn't he? They had a chant for him. There's only one Pat Flynn. He used to be shy, but now he's all right, walking in a Pat Flynn wonderland. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, back then, uh, Murphy, Ireland International, he was there. Uh, he was a joke of the group, believe it or not. Not Pat Flynn. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And uh, Pat said that James Chambers would travel to the games with him from Dublin. And uh, James would keep telling Pat all the negative stuff the Waterford fans were saying about him online. But then but then when uh, Pat turned around his farm, someone started a Bebo page for him. So he was delighted with that. Bebo? <laughs> yeah. Also, do you know who he found out the manager was sacked? How? On Airtel. Airtel? Still a classic. This was truly a different time, Gear. Wow, that's unbelievable. What, what year are we talking there? 2006 and 7. 2006 yeah. and 7 on Airtel, checking the scores. Yeah. Page 221. Yeah, so Brian's book will be out in about five weeks or so. But uh, there's another one that's been out since New Year, uh, Fan for All Seasons. Graham Harrod wrote this one. So it's League of Ireland stories from the 1920s all the way up to the present day. Uh, I haven't seen any bookshops, but I got it on Amazon. And I flicked through, and it looks a pretty decent read, so we're, we're checking out. Yeah, so definitely check that one out. Anything League of Ireland related, we're all going to be interested in. So, uh, 
Now, next up, uh, we have our starting 11s and predictions. So, uh, I uh, don't actually have to pick Sean Cavanagh this time because he's suspended. I left him out of the team last <laughs> week. But I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with Tom Regal. And I was... I, I, I heard that they play... They like their fullbacks to bomb on. Yeah. So, I think I'm going to play Lukey left full. I'm going to have Ali G and... Do you know what? It depends on if Ali G is back. I thought Pico was quite good. So, I'm going to go Pico in the middle with with Grace. And... I'm going to go Boyle right full. I'm going to have Bulge. I see... I think we need to... I think we need to target Bastien Illy. So, McAllister has to start for me. He's definitely one to watch. McAllister he's just class. has to clatter him. Just, just get stuck in. Mark him, man mark him. Just don't let him play his game because he's the one who's going to be... They play that diamond formation. So, Aries' range of passing is going to be unleashing their fullback. So, I'm going to have McAllister in the middle with Ronan Finn. And... Uh, I think Koo Strong needs to start again. I think he was good. And Brando back in the team because we're, we're down on Kavanagh. And Bork, obviously, but up top, give Shawzi another chance. Give Shawzi another chance because apparently these are big and physical. And uh, I, th- I think, like you said, you need to get a striker to give a run of games. So Shawzi back in the team. So you're leaving out Trevor Clark then? I'm going to leave out Trevor Clark in this one. I'm going to have an impact sub. Alright, for once I've actually prepared my team, Gare. Go on. First time since we started doing the show. I've actually not thought up on the spot. Go on. Yeah, so I've got Tomer, Lukey, Pico, Grace, and Boyle. Same back four as you. Uh, Clark on the left, Kusrain on the right. Okay. I'm keeping them there. And I agree with you on McAllister. I'm going to get him stuck in yeah. the area. McAllister and Finn. Burke, and I want Carr back in the team. Carzy back in the squad. What must you be thinking? Every week I pick Carr now. I know, yeah, no, I think oh, he should have buried, he had a shot he should have buried in, in Limerick, but I'm very sorry. We'll, we'll give him a go again. Yeah, yeah and Waterford won pitch of the year in 2017, so should be a lot better than Marcus Field. Uh, no, Prof, I'm changing my mind. Brando's dropped, and I'm going to have Coustran and Trev. Yeah, no, I don't know what I'm thinking. Um, I'm I just always have faith in them, but you know what? I think it's it's unfair on Trev. So Trev and Custron on the wings for me. And they will obviously switch because Brad's likes to do that. So we're going to... Um, oh, now, onto our predictions, Prof. Who's forced, you or me? Because mm. it's a tricky one. I'm going to say two all. Two all. I'm going to say a bit of momentum and a hard-fought 1-0 win. Another three, three on the bounce. You're going to be scared that I can remember this, but we haven't won 1-0 three consecutive times since 1981. <laughs> That's a four, well, another 40 years. You eh? can verify that. That's not in front of me. Yeah. I just said that right now. It's top of my head. Yeah, so uh, that's that's our predictions. And um, as you heard Carl say to Brian, it's our first competitive game with Waterford since we lost a league cup quarterfinal 2-1 to RSC in Mick O'Neill's fourth season. Yeah, our last league meetings were in 2007. Two wins in a draw that year when we were in Talca. Mm. And uh, they did beat us in Daily Mount 2005, so that was our last league win over us. Been a few friendlies since then, including a pre-season one there, Stephen Kenny, when Gary O'Neill scored a hat-trick. Oh, and some former hoops in the team who, as well. Who could forget? Today, hell froze over. 
pretty harsh. <laughs> Poor Mr. O'Neill. As Brian said, Davy Webster is playing out of his skin at the moment, so uh, De- yeah. I, I still think I still think he's a good player. Could have a point to prove. Yep. Another opposition manager who paid for it, Alan Reynolds. He was a hoop in the hills in three in two thousand seven. Alan Reynolds. Yep. So that's your trivia for the Waterford game. So next up we have tips from the East End. If I throw a dog a bone, I don't want to know if it tastes good or not. So this week our tips from the East End. It's uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with three anytime scorers. I'm gonna go with Borky score anytime. Sligo Rovers gonna go with Morgan to score anytime to get his fifth goal of the season. And Conan Bourne since he's been on our lips this week as greatest league in the world. So yeah, Conan Bourne anytime scorer, Graham Bourke anytime scorer, and Adam Morgan anytime scorer. So it's a lump on, pay off the mortgage, and then buy us points. Lovely, lovely points. Yeah, I don't have an exact prediction per se, but I have a feeling Sligo are going to get a result there at oh. home to Dundalk. So maybe uh, a draw or a win for the prof. Because they were very Sligo. strong at home last season, and now they've been turned over by Limerick and Waterford. Yeah. I think, but I think they will recover, though. Sligo are my tip to, to do a little bit better than people thought at the start of the season. And of course, we uh, we have form when it comes to tips. And our native river, we hope that you're back to... <laughs> we hope you lumped on. And Jim McGrath and Ray Wilson gave us that tip. A, few, a good few hoops had it. Yeah. And uh, just want to give a quick word to uh, the George Byrne Memorial Quiz. That'll take place in the 899 suite on Wednesday, the 28th of March, 7.30pm. Uh, it's open to all. Each table gets a player or a member of the coaching staff to join them. Tickets 20 euro Includes two free drinks And finger food What a deal You can get your ticket On the club website Or at the ticket office So it should be a great night Yeah we've, we're entering a team uh, I don't know if we'll win it But it has top four potential Gar. I reckon uh, I'd give us uh, Five to two Five to two odds And win It's a beautiful symmetry Actually with the quiz Last season Because uh, I went to the quiz And the players lined up To see who would go Into what table and they put Duna forward first. Agree. And sure enough, he went to our table. And then we started doing questions from the East End quiz. And we left Duna right to the very end. <laughs> so it was kind of perfect. And uh, just one thing, Carl. Please keep Trevor the fuck away from our team. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Everyone I talked to since then, that's the first thing they say to me. Well, what did he think? He thought Derry was in Munster? <laughs> yeah, it's just shocking. I love how you just dismissed him. He's like, no, it's not a monster. <laughs> no, at all. <laughs> Even Tomer knew that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so fantastic night out. George Bowen Memorial Quiz. And, uh, yeah, definitely get your team down for that. It's going to be a good piss up. And uh, a bit of crack with the the worst quiz master ever. So, uh, yeah, our next show will be Monthly Madness. It's back. Pat Bourne and Rovers fan Mick McCarthy. So, legendary Pat Bourne and uh, the Pines Mafia Capo. Mick McCarthy will be in Johnny Blues and you've been sending your questions on Facebook so keep on lashing them into us we want all the questions and all your funny stories or trivia and you have until Saturday night to have your question read out to the lads yeah looking forward to that one yeah and Garrett one of the most frequently asked questions we get about the show is who chooses the music mm. and uh, we keep telling people it's very much a collaborative effort it's all done off air in advance very easy process so without further ado Garrett Cork aren't playing this weekend so when I look at that league table on Friday night, I know exactly where Rovers are going. For the first time since May 2014, with a Saturday night win 
over at Lawn. So keep on hooping. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. So we talked about this. We're, we're not going to play that. We're going to we can't, can't get carried away. I mean, it's a tough game down there. Billionaire owners we're, we're up against. I mean, what, what are you thinking? It's four series of games and you're putting in a song like that. I just wanted something cheesy. No, no, definitely not. There's certainly something else. There's, there's something cheesier than that. <laughs> Wait, wait a minute now, wait a minute. That's that's a bleeding darts tune. Yeah, I know. I, I hate it, but listen, it's relevant. I know Johnny Blue would appreciate that, but is that something we can both agree on? Listen, we're gonna be here all day, prof. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to take this off air. But uh, yeah, so so you kind of get an insight into what goes on. This is back and forth constantly on uh, mostly WhatsApp and videos being sent back and forth. But but uh, yeah, so the final instalment of Monster March. And we're going to hunt. We, we need all the fans down as possible, like we said about the Gary Twig SC, the Hoops SC, the Ultras, everybody, train, planes, trains, automobiles, get your arses down to Warford. Don't bear still. And uh, hopefully another three points. And uh, we might even top the table momentarily. So keep on hooping, folks. See ya. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again and I can't wait to get on the road again Road again, like a band of gypsies, we go down the highway. We're the best of friends, insisting that the world keep turning our way and our way. It's on the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. 